This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Glenn Beck, the Blaze Radio Network. I have on the line David French. David French is a staff writer at National Review. He's an attorney, concentrates his practice in constitutional law, the law of armed conflict. He's a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. And he recently penned an article in National Review, and it had to do with Black Lives Matter and this love affair with the late Fidel Castro, and I want to talk to him about that. David, thanks for joining me today. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Sheriff. I appreciate it. Uh, why don't you get right into it, this this sickening essay from uh, Black Lives Matter in, in terms of making Fidel Castro into some uh, guy that was to be admired. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really amazing. R- right after uh, Fidel Castro died, Black Lives Matter published a piece, an essay that, you know, you really, I mean, you really have to read it to believe it, but it, it begins with, we're feeling many things as we awaken to a world without Fidel Castro. And it is, it's really remarkable essay that, ta- that laments his death, uh, talks about his revolutionary street cred, and then essentially, and, and then thanks him for sheltering uh, some of the most vicious cop killers in American history. There were, there were black revolutionaries who killed police officers. Three of them, for example, hijacked a jet after they killed a police officer at knife point, sent the jet to Cuba, and Fidel Castro gave them sanctuary. And so what we're talking about here is a, is a man who not only had a human rights record where more than a million people left his own island to escape and where he ruthlessly suppressed dissent, he actually harbored in the United States, I mean, harbored in Cuba, cop killers. And Black Lives Matter was praising him for that. You know, uh, one of those cop killers is Asada Shakur, who was, uh, Warner Forrester was the, uh, I think it was a New Jersey State Trooper that uh, she killed, or she was involved in it killing. He had pulled over these individuals, his car for a traffic violation, and uh, in part, she got out of the car. She was a passenger in the rear seat and went over. Uh, Warner Forrester had been wounded, so he laid in the street. She ran over to him, grabbed his firearm, and shot him multiple times as he laid on the ground there. She was caught. She was convicted. She was sent to prison in the state of New Jersey. I think it was New, Jer- New Jersey, yeah. And... Uh, she escaped. It was an unbelievable escape. Some people came in. They, they took some of the uh, uh, prison guards hostage. They got her out. She fled to Cuba. She resides in Cuba to this day. And uh, she's one of the ones that I have uh, pleaded with, um, with no success, to the Eric Trump-led attorney, uh, United States Department of Justice, to get her back after President Obama normalized relations with Cuba. I said, okay, we can something good 
can come of this uh, normalization of uh, relations with Cuba. Let's get those cop killers back here. And, of course, they're not interested in that. But um, I have said, and I've been very vocal about it, I've labeled Black Lives Matter as a hateful ideology. They uh, they foster division, as you write it in your story here. Uh, they support an anti-cop rhetoric, a cop hatred. And there are people who have killed law enforcement officers in the name name of, uh, of of Black Lives Matter. Why do you think, other than the obvious, you know, that they look at at Cuba and they look at Fidel Castro, that murderous uh, dictator, and they idolize somebody like that? Well, you know, they look at they look at everything in the in the United States through one lens and one lens only, and that's race. And so, Fidel Castro, as part of his anti-American campaign, decades-long anti-American campaign, was constantly trying to create greater racial tension in the United States. And and one of the ways that he did that was by uh, was by backing and, and explicitly supporting both rhetorically and providing you know a home for people who are part of organizations like the Black Panthers or the Black Liberation Army. And so these guys, these, these Black Lives Matter uh, activists, who are, who are the, really the, the, the spiritual descendants, so to speak, of the Black Panthers, for example, they look at, at that history, and because they're only looking at it through the lens of race and race only, they don't realize, or at least don't care, the extent to which uh, Fidel Castro was cynically using American race tensions to advance his own agenda. I mean, this is a guy who, in Cuba, discriminated against black Cubans in ways that were grotesque. And he was only exploiting racial, racial divisions in the United States for his own communist means. So he wasn't, he wasn't some sort of social justice warrior. He was a communist dictator thug, but these people refused to see it. You know, part of the, the problem with this, this hateful ideology is the, these people who uh, wrap their arms, arms around it, people who have been invited to the White House, I should add, numerous times to uh, uh, hold counsel with the President of the United States. They don't know their history. They don't know the history here. It's, it's kind of like uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, you know, taking a knee, sitting down initially and then taking a knee during the playing of the national anthem, he's another one that showed up uh, at a post-game um, conference. You know, you do the the thing after the game. He shows up with a T-shirt with a picture of Fidel Castro on it, and and I look and I the first thing I I think when I see this, these people don't know their history. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, but when I look at, at Black Lives Matter and I look at how this ugly chapter and what it's been and what it's meant for the uh, uh, the American law enforcement officer. And like I said a couple minutes ago, you know, it's led to the death people have killed in the name of, of Black Lives Matter. But um, this has also caused police in uh, ghetto communities throughout the United States to not be as assertive as they need to be, to not engage in the kind of uh, discretionary policing, quality of life uh, enforcement, some people call it, and it has led to an increase of crime. You look at the city of Chicago, and I talked about it on the program yesterday. They're up to like 753 murders in the city of Chicago in 2016 alone, compared to about 495 last year. And last year's total outpaced the year before that. And in the city of Chicago, you have over uh, 3,000 people who have been hit by gunfire, non-fatal shootings. 
So you look at this thing across America, and then these people have the 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 nerve, the audacity to run around uh, saying, you know, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. But you look at stuff like that. Where are they? They're nowhere to be found. Black people, uh, good law-abiding black people in many cases, uh, children, you have seniors living in fear in these ghetto communities. And where are they? You know, they're nowhere to be found. And that's the phoniness of, you know, their mantra, the phoniness of their claim, their slogan, if you will, Black Lives Matter. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it's one of the most clever marketing campaigns in history that's contradicted by then about everything that the group actually stands for. For example, on its website, it says flat out that they want to destroy the nuclear, the Western prescribed nuclear family. Well, the destruction of the family is one of the main drivers of social conflict, not just in black communities, but in American communities at large. I mean, uh, and when it comes to, to, uh, to violence, uh, what you were saying about the change in policing tactics, which are changes in tactics that Black Lives Matter has been pushing for, there's mathematical, there, there's strong mathematical correlation. If you, look in, uh, if you look in Chicago, there's been a decrease in the number of stops. There's been a decrease in the number of, consequently, decrease in the number of drug confiscations, de- uh, I mean, gun confiscations, a decrease in the number of arrests and a corresponding dramatic increase in the number of murders. I mean, all of this is is very well documented. And so, you know, if you're talking about what what is it that saves black lives, well, one of the key things that helped end the the uh, the, the murder crisis of the late 80s and early 90s was very aggressive policing, and also with and this is something that a lot of people don't realize with the active and enthusiastic participation uh, of black communities in the U.S., everything from pastors to politicians. The Congressional Black Caucus was out front in the late 80s and early 90s and trying to have uh, in, in moving towards tougher policing. There, was, uh, uh, there were African-American lawmakers in states around the country seeking relief from this crime epidemic. And so it was the black community that really rallied in the late 80s and early 90s and now along comes Black Lives Matter. As you said, they don't know their history, and they're trying to undo a lot of the reforms that the black community had led uh, America in advocating for generation, a generation ago that has since saved countless lives. So I'm not sure you know, which community they, community they purport to be speaking to. I think they're speaking for a media community that loves them a great deal, and and like I said, they have a very clever marketing slogan. I mean, of course, everyone believes that black lives matter. Uh, but what's behind that slogan is a very, very radical agenda that is actually costing lives. Right. And it, it really, in, in essence, though, black lives do not matter, at least to these individuals. They matter to you. They matter to me. matter to a lot of people, but not these individuals. They put out some manifesto not too long ago where some of the tenants were, uh, you know, railing against Israel uh, for the treatment of the Palestinians, railing against or, or, or demanding more money for global warming studies. And I, when I read this manifesto, I said, you know what? I said, black people do not care about global warming. They do not care about what's going on in Israel. Not that we shouldn't care about what's going on in Israel. We do. But I said, here's what black people care about. They care about jobs. They care about better schools for their kids to be able to go to. And they care about safer communities. David, I want to thank you for joining us. Keep up the good work and Merry Christmas. 
Uh, thanks so much for having me, and Merry Christmas to you, too. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 